I was like, do you know something I don't know? Do you, are you seeing no, it no, in no. my palm? Don't do it. Don't do it. And, and we're, we're the ghouls next door. You know, keeping it fun. Uh, and today, I don't know what number of the episodes it is, but it's been a bunch. We're old. Yeah. It's 124, I think. Nice. That's <laughs> oh, a lot. It's almost Oof. towards 25, which is my favorite number, which is a relevant fact for everyone just now. Yes. Um, but we're doing something cool today. We have guests. That's like the thing we do in November. I've decided. I think so. Every year. It's our third yeah. one. Yeah. Or it's at least once a month or once a year, we have a month that is just guests for a specific reason. Um, so this is November. It's my birthday month. So I bring mm-hmm. friends together. Uh, we've had the Black Tribbles on. We had a whole slew of guests for a representation in horror series. Mm-hmm. And this month we are talking to fellow horror lovers who have shows or programs similar to ours about a love, appreciation, and critique of the horror genre. So we're kicking off this great show uh, with a friend all the way from California, which is why we are being virtual and we're using this cool high-tech stuff that you saw from Host, uh, our Host episode. So welcome our guest. Yeah, we have uh, Charday Sellers, uh, the creator of the Afro Horror Podcast and introspective of the Black experience in the horror genre. Uh, she's a writer, has several fun short films, which I watched today and got a big kick out of. Um, development exec, you know, she's doing the whole thing in California, which is where I was born. So also just biased there. Um, and yeah, just totally talented and awesome. And we're so excited to have her here today. What an oh, intro. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> I can't believe you watch those shorts. I always forget that they're live. I always forget that they're up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel that way sometimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're horrible, but they, um, they're my, you know, those are my babies. So, but thank you for (laughs) for being kind. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. It's like getting like an intimate glimpse, especially because it's like, we don't always remember that we made those or that other people can see them. And then they do. And it's like, that's me. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I did make that movie. That's right. Um, what the one I think is up is still plum. I think plum is up. And, oh, I didn't uh, see Plum. Oh, I didn't see okay. Plum. Oh, which I, one did you? Oh, wait, wait, wait. It's a. Uh, I know it's the it the comedy on one. The comedy yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that one was fun. That won like an AT and T Shorts Award, and they almost mm-hmm. didn't give me the award. The judges were like, "We almost didn't give you the award because technically all you did was recreate movies. You didn't actually like write an original piece." I was like, "Oh come on!" Yeah. <laughs> like it was clever. Oh, I love that movie. I can't remember what it's called right now. I'm forgetting now also just because of anxiety, um, but it yeah. was great. I was, was, I actually expected it to be like, cause we do horror shorts, like with the ghouls. Yeah. So I was expecting it to be like horror related. Cause of like, that was the whole like spiel that I was like had in my mind. And then they were funny and I was like, Oh my God, this is so great. My, it was unexpected. Well, yeah. My friend, Jeff Howard, who's also like my pseudo mentor. He always says like comedy and horror are the same side of the coin. You know, they're twins separated at birth. They both rely on like setup and release. So, um, as much as I love horror and I write horror all the time and the produced film that I have is a horror. I love comedy. I always said I would, write a comedy one day. I did write a comedy. It hasn't come out, like it hasn't sold or anything yet, but I love comedy because it's, just, it is the flip side of horror. Like you got to laugh and, and I like being scared. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't I mean, even realize yeah. none of my horror shorts are on my website. You're right. They're all comedy shorts right now, which is so funny. Cause I don't write comedy. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> but it goes Monsters Inc. It's like laughs and screams are the same thing. They get the yeah. same positive reaction. Yeah, I love a good comedy horror. Like, if you haven't watched it yet, Scare Me um, premiered on Shudder. And yes. I got to interview the writer-director. And I'm like, this is the perfect blend of just funny and scary. I love it. 
Yeah, we're doing, um, we're going to cover Scare Me on our next episode, the one right after yours. Because uh, yeah, we were also great. like super just enthused, like we watched it. It was so pleasant to be like, so pleasant. to to kind of have some spooky elements, but never really feeling scared until the end. But having all those good laughs in between and the absurdity of it was so much fun. Yeah, the director and the writer and the actor of it, I, was, I interviewed him. I was like, you did all three. That's so crazy. And he was just like, yeah, I want it to feel like an extended campfire story. And I was like, it did. It really felt like that. Like, I, I, I felt like I was hanging out with friends watching, like, telling campfire stories. Like, they were telling me campfire stories. So, love yeah. that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely unique. I think it's it's been a while since we've seen, like, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think blending horror and comedy is, is such a unique experience. Like, anything that Jordan Peele does, like, to f- the fact that we can have, like, this intense fear where you're like, oh, my God. And then a minute later, you're like, what? <laughs> no, that and that's happen? so good you bring that up because everyone, when Get Out came out, was like, Jordan Peele's doing horror. I was like, no, he, he was going to do it great because mm-hmm. he knows comedy. He knows about setup. And he knows about release, um, tension and release. So he's, of course, is going to make a great horror director and writer. Like, it's in his DNA. Um, so I, I'm really glad went that direction, too, because, like I said, they're like they're both the same side of the coin. They are. You just have served different purposes, yeah. you know, at the end. But they are. Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about Afro Horror Pod and kind of like how that came to be and, and kind of the more in-depth elevator pitch for our listeners. Yeah, so two years ago, I was at the, at the time, I was working with Leah Daniels Butler at her company, 1195, and we got invited to go see the um, Horror Noir documentary that Shutter, you know, it's on Shutter now. And it was at the Egyptian Theater here in L.A., and I got to, to profess my love for Rachel True while I was there. And I was like, this is wonderful. Um, and then I, I became friends with Ashley Blowell, who, if you don't know, she's like everything horror. She is also the producer and writer of um, Horror Noir. And we became email buddies and we were going back and forth. And at the time, I just started getting into podcasts, like listening to podcasts. Um, I was mostly listening to um, Horror Queers. Is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Trace, Trace and Joe horror queers, and they were so funny. And um, their perspective of um, that community, the gay community through horror, I was like, that's wonderful. Then I started listening to more and more horror podcasts and learned two things. One, it's a lot of men on horror podcasts. Yeah. A lot of white oh, dudes yes. on horror podcasts. Yep. I did find a few ladies. I can't remember their names right now. I'm so sorry, but I did find some ladies I love and I enjoy. Um, but um, I stumbled upon one podcast and they were talking about Halloween resurrection. Okay. Notoriously a terrible film. We all know that. Like I'm not going to stick up for Halloween resurrection, but it's also the blackest film in the Halloween franchise. Like it's got Buster Rhymes. It's got Tyra Banks. Um, I want to say it's Sean Jackson. No, I can't remember his name. I feel terrible, but there's there's another. Um, And they ripped it apart scene by scene and it was just the way they ripped it apart though they seemingly blamed it on like these hip-hop stars and tyra banks for being in the movie and i got really really mad because i was like yeah the movie sucks i get that but um at the time when you look at when halloween resurrection came out everyone was including hip-hop stars in their movies especially in horror we had usher in um the faculty um Rod Digga was in the remake of 13 Ghosts. Like, everyone was injecting hip-hop stars because at the time, you know, we had our 90s um, hip-hop music videos. It was a very in thing, and they were bringing in the fan base. It's like what they do now with influencers, where they're trying to mm-hmm. put influencers <laughs> yeah. in. But at the time, we actually had talented musicians um, infiltrating. <laughs> yeah. and, and the horror and horror genre notoriously is so exclusive for Black people, period, that I really took offense to this podcast of a group of white dudes sitting around ripping Halloween Resurrection because of its Black people in it, um, that it really made me mad. So I emailed Ashley and I was like, would you ever consider doing Horror Noir as a podcast? And she very graciously responded back like, I'm so busy. <laughs> at the time, she <laughs> yeah. just got a teaching job. I think she's still there at a university. Um, she, out, you know, her course is about black horror, and she was like, "I really can't do it, but I really think you should do it." Which I will always give her credit for, like giving me like the word. I didn't know anything about podcasting, so I watched YouTube videos, and obviously, I, I reached out to Joe and Trace and asked them a bunch of questions, and they were so receptive. They immediately were like, "Why don't you come on the show?" First of all. 
um, when you do set up your podcast and then come on the show and promote it and we'll help you. Um, and they, they told me about Lipson. They told me about podcast services and, and mics and things that I should get. Um, so just off of the power of that and the motivation of like, there's not a podcast right now that just talks about black horror. There are wonderful people out there um, who have shows, but they talk about horror just generally, not just specifically mm-hmm. about black people. Um so that's how Afro Horror became about. And actually our first episode was about Halloween Resurrection because I, <laughs> I was like, we can make fun of our own. I will not tolerate slander from anyone else about Halloween Resurrection. So that's the full story. Of, and now it's like, now it's a blog on Final Draft. Um, I'm considering turning it into an anthology series uh, to screenwrite it. So it's kind of this thing now and I'm super proud of it. But it was the sheer motivation of like, nah, you're not going to talk about us like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is so necessary, right? Like, um, we we totally agree with the kind of environment that is horror, like the horror fandom specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like uh, Kat and I were when we've been doing this for three years. Um, and at one point I was like, well, let's go to like a horror convention. Um, cause actually, uh, I interviewed Ashley Blackwell cause she's actually from Philly. Um, mm-hmm. and so we had her on the show and we were talking and she was like, you should go to this one convention. Like it's super cool horror buffs. Um, we couldn't get to that one. So we went to this other one that was closer and the environment was super uncomfortable. It's it was really just uncomfortable. Oof. It was big cringe. It's uh. awful. I went to Screamfest in LA for the first time last year and I just remember feeling like I don't belong here. I really don't. Yeah. There's no room for me. No one wants me here. And I went by myself because I, I, I don't mind going by places by myself. People are like, I would never go out to eat by myself. I do that all the time mm-hmm. when the world was open. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I went. I got tickets. I walked around because I was like, this is going to be a place filled with people who love the same things I do. But you really don't feel welcome at those conventions mm-hmm. as a black woman. You're just like, oh, no one wants to talk to me. No one wants to be around me. So this is cool. Yeah, just lots of of white men who idolize uh, like Jason and and Freddie and and like just murderous other white men and like their rockabilly girlfriends. And I was just like, if we had a table here to like promote our show, no one would understand it. Like we like we would just be labeled like the SJWs. (laughs) They'd be like, they're trying to tell me that this isn't, you know, intersectional feminism. How dare you? I remember I printed out like eight by five cards from uh, Staples that had Afro horror like premiering. And I was passing out to people and they all looked at me like this. And I was like, oh, I thought we were a welcoming community. I thought we are the freaks, mister. Like, that's us, right? From the, the craft. We are the freaks. But I feel like a freak within my own freak community. It's very, very strange. So, yeah, I, I, yeah that was Scream Fest last year. And um, they didn't have it this year because of COVID. But I honestly probably won't go back. So, yeah, yeah we definitely I don't even remember what it was called it was a pretty small convention we were there for like it was jersey which was my first indicator that it was probably not gonna be great (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and i mean we went and you know we enjoyed the cosplays because we love cosplays um but yeah it was really like this idea And, and it's something that i think um you totally relate to of just like trying to find this like peace in this place in the horror community and the fact that like that's the front facing horror fan is that, is that guy. Right. But Mm -hmm. there's so many of us and we have like this community that's so vast and it's like, it's just a matter of like finding them on the internet. And then they're like, Oh my God, you love horror too. And you understand the complexities of it. (laughs) Just being like, yeah, Yeah. this is like catharsis for me. Yay. And that's why this season on Afro horror, I I really made it a point to reach out to more um, specifically black women in horror. So we had Zena Dixon on our show a a few months ago talking about Ma. Um, just this month for October, we're talking about the craft with Jessica. I can't remember her last name, but she's on um, Black yes. Girl's Guide to Horror. Yeah. We just had I just her on the show. That's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, I made it a point because it's just like, there's, there, we're, are, we are out there. We have to go look for each other, but we are out there. Um, and, and that's the only way from to me to actually feel more comfortable, like writing and existing in the horror genre is if I find people like you um, and we can just talk about it. Because at first it was just kind of like me and Chris Courtney Martin just hanging out together and then just uh, between each other talking about 
how much it sucks to be a woman, especially <laughs> in horror. Um, I'm building the tribe. I'm, and I always encourage all of our guests, I'm going to encourage the same thing to you, to start writing. I'm just like, if you mm-hmm. can podcast, you can write. Like, I yeah. said the same thing to Zena. I said the same thing to Jessica. Please write. If you need help to learn how to write, I will ask you to write. But the, it won't change until our writers change. And right now, mm-hmm. there's not enough of us at all. Yeah, I think, and and that's one of the the big things I think about the podcast community is similar to how you were saying, like you just reached out to Trace and Joe and that they were able to help you or that even Ashley with all of the, <laughs> the busy life that she has yeah. was able to make time because we see each other out there. Like we're like, no, I see, like <laughs> yeah. I understand where you are at. And the only way we're going to make our way up is to help each other and like make that platform and make an opportunity for each other to kind of progress. Um, we should have, by the time this airs, because we're recording ahead of time, listeners uh, should have one or two articles out um, for about horror and kind of media analysis, because uh, that's what we love to do. But we were always full supporters of, of other creatives. And if you're creating short films or full fledged horror films like we want to share yeah. those, we want to project them. Like, yeah, yeah, we just, I, me too. I'm just like, um, if, if you find me on Twitter, I am Sharday Sellers. Like, tweet me your shorts. I'll watch them. Tweet me, like, don't tweet me your scripts because I, I cannot read anything right now because I'm <laughs> yeah. writing. But if you've got a short horror film, I want to watch it. Like, I do want to see it. So go ahead and tweet it at me. I just want to support because we, it needs to change. I love this genre. I love this genre so much. And I love movies. I'm really, really sad that the movie theaters aren't open because that's my safe haven, especially when a new horror movie came out. But um, I love this genre. And because of it, I want it to do better. And it's just not doing as good as it could right now. Like it is better, but it could be so much better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's like, a part of why we selected the guests that we did um, was like, you'll see when, when, as the series goes through, it's all very carefully selected people in the horror community. Cause we were like, no, we're going to uplift these voices so that people can hear them. Um, and because we want to spend time with them. Cause we're like, you know, you're also out here. You understand the complexities, <laughs> complexities of it. Again, <laughs> there's cats. <laughs> um, cat's cat kitten um (laughs) she's never aged but yeah i (laughs) it's like that scene from 10 things i know i hate about you cat (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. oh my gosh yes no no Um, No, that's a great one super cute yeah i think um yeah that's why you know, we're super excited to, to have you. We love Afro Horror Pod. Like I was saying, like listening to it. Um, some great episodes. Uh, I even listened to the short one about I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. It's so um, short. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, this is great because like it, it caught me because I always think of Brandy. Like I'm always just like people right. aren't given enough respect for Brandy in this film. Never. We're like, well, there's not much to say about this one. Um, <laughs> they live. Great. <laughs> Moving on. I mean, because honestly, it, that one was um, Chris and I when we were like, do we talk about I Still Know What You Did Last Summer or not? Because it's not a lot, right? Like it's Brandy as the stock best friend, yes, and then Mackay Pfeiffer as the really weird, horny best like boyfriend. Um, but we really had to give Brandy Norwood her flowers because what people don't remember for some reason is that in the 90s, like I said, when we're talking about Halloween Resurrection, that was a big deal to have Brandy mm-hmm. in a film like that. Like she had the TV show, she had the albums, and she was doing this franchise, and she lived. Like, she didn't die. Like, it was a big deal. So it's a short episode because we're really, like, she's her sock black best friend. She's like, go, girl, you can do this karaoke. She's skinny ass. And she happens to live. (laughs) And that's literally all the layers she's given. So Yeah, yeah. We're always on the outlook of, like, the, are you okay? Best friend, like, Rachel True talks about, are you okay? Are you okay? Uh, And we're just, like, always call it, we're like, oh. Here we go. Best best friend is here. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like we just wanted to make sure like people understood the awesomeness that was Brandy at the time in the late '90s, early 2000s with these albums, these hit singles after hit single after hit singles, hit TV show, and then a movie standing next to um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Like <sighs> we had to do it, but it was the shortest because there's <laughs> nothing to talk about, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's like, I, I love that that's the approach that you took, because there's so many ways that like people can kind of go at it. Um, and it was exciting to just like, let's step out and like, 
just be in this time and think about like what this meant for people. Yeah, like I what this meant for like young girls. I was like, yeah, and I was like ten or eleven. And I actually had to see. I didn't see it in theaters, right? Because I was young, so I was like my mom's not taking me to see that. But when I actually saw it, I just remember thinking, oh my god, Brandy's hair looks like mine. Like it was a big deal. She's wearing box braids. Are you yeah. kidding? And it, it, it was. And now you think as an adult, and you're like, thank God she's wearing box braids because she was going to the Bahamas. What if they like would have put her in like a weave or? Like, <laughs> no, that that's vacation hair, and that is down to the authenticity of authenticity. Oh, oh my god, the word. Whatever the word is, that goes down to like a black experience. We as black women tend to wear our hair in braids on vacation mode so we don't have to deal with sweating out our weaves or sweating out our natural hair. And it goes like it's a whole thing when you look at it as an adult. But as a kid, it was just like, this is the pop star that I love and she's wearing hair that I wear. So I don't feel insecure when I like I grew up in a very white town in Michigan. So wearing braids wasn't like at that point. Mm-hmm. a big deal like braids are in now everyone's wearing braids kardashians everyone but at that point no when i was 10 no everyone was not wearing braids so yeah it was just nice to see someone that looked like you on screen <laughs> i don't understand why these executives don't understand that is so nice to feel when you're watching anything on screen to see someone that looks like you sounds like you could be yeah. you <laughs> like it's yeah. just really really nice <laughs> I would argue it's yeah. they've never had to experience not exactly. having it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the power it must be to be a white man, just like everything's for you, like TV, yeah. movie, clothes, like bank accounts, house applications, <laughs> like everything's meant to make your life easier. It just that's why they have so much power, and um, I mean power in the sense of like confidence. Like they're so confident because mm-hmm. they've never had that moment of insecurity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like how could, I can't imagine. <laughs> what it's like (laughs) um but yeah so we gave our love we gave our love to i still we actually and we never did i know what you did last summer because there's no black people to honor in that movie yeah which is the only stipulation for our film and it can't just be like a one-lined black person um for our podcast i mean it has to be like Mm -hmm. there has to be a supporting character or a lead like you can't just have a couple of lines and toss it out there so there's a lot of movies that i love that we won't be covering because there's no black people in it. So. Yeah. And it's like, and that's the question too, right? Is like, people aren't even noticing that. Like they mm-hmm. hear horror and they have a very specific view of what horror is and what the horror go-tos are, mm-hmm. which is like, like Kat and I catch a lot of flack all the time because like when people ask us what our favorite horror movies are or anything like that, like we're like, you're not going to like our answer because yeah. it's not going to be what you want to hear. <laughs> And like what yeah. we value is not what you value. <laughs> exactly. Someone asked me that too. And I always say it's the descent. <gasps> is it because yes. it's all women? No. Cause it's probably the it's best all... horror film I've seen it's in the last phenomenal. 20 years. Honestly. It's very satisfying. Like, That's it's real. a great story. It's a great story. It happens to star five women, but it's a great story at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And absolutely it. terrifying. Yeah. And like, terrifying claustrophobia and then also monsters and it's like yeah yeah and also like the breakdown of a friendship and betrayal i'm like this is this is everything i want in a horror film so um, and the, one of the best final girls ever like the best arc of a final girl um yeah, on she was screen. taking names she was mm-hmm. taking names <laughs> So, yeah, everyone doesn't like the answer. And then we and Chris Courtney Martin were talking about this because Chris came back to guest on the Eve's Bayou episode. And she, you know, she's working on um, pitching her horror charcuterie, which I can't tell you about it, but it's a really freaking awesome script. And I don't understand why it's not sold yet. But she was like, you know, when I mention Eve's Bayou in rooms of people who are supposed to be horror fans and they tell me that they've never seen it, like, that's where the disconnect happens. Like, mm-hmm. you've never seen Eve's Bayou, but you expect me to, like, kiss your ass because Jason? Like, eh, like yeah. Jason and Freddie and them? I'm like, nah, 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 we're not doing that. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Two separate sides to, um, to this, uh, what do you call it? Fandom. Like, mm-hmm. there's two, there's very two separate sides to the fandom. It's, like, women and, and people of color over here and then just everyone else because they didn't grow up having to watch, like, Tales from the Hood and, <laughs> and all the things yeah. that I grew up watching, so... Yeah. yeah. And, like, understanding, like... Separate conventions. We should just get, like, a whole subsect of the mm-hmm. horror genre and just, Afro like, make horror convention. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because what is there, like, there's blurred con right like yeah. why not have like a blurred horror or like 
<laughs> just like a, a convention of horror about uh BIPOC and women <laughs> being like, these are the values. Yeah, like, oh, this is what's yeah, cool. Conventions are hard. I remember what that one girl got in trouble because she took all that money and then like never mm-hmm. had the convention. Yeah. So I think that was like what Tumblr or whatever. Yeah, um, <laughs> Tumblr convention. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I would love fest. to see that fire fe- fire festival. Yeah, fire um, festival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had so we have um, our good friends over at the Michaud Mission. Have you? Heard of that podcast? No, I haven't. So the Michelle Mission is um, Len Webb and Vince Williams, who are, uh, I think their tagline is two black men, uh, one podcast, every black film ever made. And so, yeah, so it's them like kind of diving into to black film of all kinds, um, kind of stemming off of Oscar Michelle and and all the work that he did. And a big question that comes up often with him and what I think it is kind of adds to what you were saying is like what constitutes a black film and so part of them will like they'll cover a film that has like more than one (laughs) black person in it or has like lines but then there's always also that question of like who's behind the scenes right like who's Mm -hmm. holding that camera because it's like you can have Candyman, which is like an incredibly black film but then it's not (laughs) yeah Yeah, right so it's like (laughs) and then it's like white (laughs) that's exactly the reason why afro horror isn't specifically just about black horror because that's a whole different topic like that would include get out um candy man things like that It's, it's more so about giving flowers to black actors who had to suffer through some of these films that are white horror right Mm -hmm. Um, but they're there and they're they're trying to make their identity as a black person in that film um so we kind of we do we put the caveats that way because had it just been strictly black horror films we would have ran out of shows two seasons ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. when you start making like you know, more things to check off. It's just like, yeah. oh, uh, <laughs> we this is what I found. Shows, honestly, so. That's why there's like, more that need to be made. That's why, that's exactly why there's more that needs to be made. I mean, our, our Ma episode was really interesting because, right, it's like starring a black woman about a black woman's life, but it's not black horror by any means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Ma was disappointed. <laughs> Oh. We and oh. you guys um, for all those watching, please go listen to our mob episode. Zena and I probably had so we had way too much fun on that episode. We love Octavia Spencer. We always we we always give our flowers to the actor, so it's never a rip on Octavia because we know how movies work. But we definitely rip Blumhouse. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we really As do should. not love Jason <laughs> Blumhouse, and honestly, kind of just him whenever we get the chance. Our it was actually so we covered Ma on a. Um, a part of our representation in horror series. Mm-hmm. So we invited like a, a person from that community to talk about horror and how it influenced them and like how they saw themselves on screen. And so our guest, Ariel Taylor, who's like an instructor and um, isn't a big horror fan. Like she watched that with us. And yeah, we are also just like, who did your hair? Who allowed this? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, a black woman we was not on set. That mushroom bowl. Okay. Um, we, yes, we, we went in and, and Jason and I and Blumhouse and I have this uh, love hate relationship. Obviously it's every horror person's dream to like have that bl- Blumhouse tag because it's like solidifies that oh cool I made it but if I'm gonna be frank and I can because like what is he gonna do not hire me he's not hiring me right now anyway um yeah <laughs> he's got a bad rap when it comes to hiring women for features like what his mm-hmm. TV show like Into the Dark great there's tons of female writers on that show but and female directors I mean too um when it comes to hiring women uh for features for Blumhouse he's not great. He, the whole company is not great at it. Although, yeah, they got Karen Kuzma coming up, but that's Karen Kuzma. Like, yeah, she's not even like she's in a category of her own. Like, I don't even yeah, we've already seen what she could do. And I mean, his notorious response of like, "I would love to hire more women, but they don't want to do horror." It's like you need to check your inbox. Yeah. <laughs> what are you like, saying? They don't have the experience because at Blumhouse, if you guys don't know, the rule is um, to, to direct at Blumhouse, you have to have directed something prior, feature, right? Um, and that's just such BS <laughs> because all of the <laughs> women directors I know who actually have directed features who would actually love to work for Blumhouse, I don't think they've ever been asked. So yeah. I don't yeah. understand what these gatekeeping block blocks are being put in front um but that's why to me blumhouse has a lot of work to do just with their and they you know get out is was a big catch for them huge mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. not because they 
they did it because Jordan did it. So yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. They'll never we've, hire me now that I've ripped them to pieces. <laughs> yeah. I think we've, we've definitely put out like, <laughs> like if we ever listen to anything. monetized on YouTube, so it's fine. We, we, <laughs> we made our choice uh, to just say stuff and be honest. And if we don't get the job because of it, well, I don't want that job. I would say when I met him, I would say, Jason, love everything your company is doing, but you um, purposely are obtuse on diversity, and I don't understand why. Yeah. Sorry. And I feel like we should be, you know – kind of confronting more people that way um especially now like 2020 it's like we're it's like all bets are off like we're not playing anymore yeah, like we're tired of people anymore. putting up <laughs> graphics and then calling it a day like that is not enough yeah and i don't know the numbers but i know i read a statistic somewhere that not only are women the largest consumers for horror but like Black women and latina women in particular are the largest mm-hmm. consumer for horror so i'm just like I don't understand how we can support you, give you the money, we can invest into you, but you won't invest into us. So that's just that's just how I feel. Mm-hmm. I'd, say, yeah. I'd say it to his face, I would. <laughs> I hope that one day you get the opportunity. <laughs> you know what? I was watching him on a um, he was doing an interview with Sundance months ago, you know, on Zoom, and they were asked, asking questions, and the moderator, I don't know, she saw my questions, but I purposely were like, why don't you hire women? And, like, in the chat <laughs> and I think she was like, um, next question. That's why <laughs> I that was a PC. <laughs> yeah, 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 the debate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's real. Like, we knew, uh, that's why we were so excited to get you on here, because we were like, oh, someone who understands, who gets it. Like, I'm still waiting for that representation. Like, I'm still like, yeah. I would love to see myself on screen. <laughs> I'd love to see what that looks like. I mean, because um, when you think about it, Candyman is really the only, it, it's a tricky slide, too, right? Like, as I'm saying, we need more black representation on screen. It, there's also a really fine line with that, because somehow Candyman has pulled it off. Like, he is a serial, like, he is a murderer. He is a killer, and he's black. And it's, it doesn't reflect upon, like, black men, and they did it in a way where it's just, like, no one's offended by Candyman, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. he's cool. Like, oh, we, we've made that. But it is a tricky line, because as much as I do want a black female killer, because I think there's no one in the world angrier, or not angrier, but who should be angry. Rightfully. um, Rightfully (laughs) angry um, than black women. And if anyone was going to chop and dice up someone, it would be us. Um, It is a fine line, because it's also like, we don't want to feed into those stereotypes of people being afraid of black people because they're angry and they're violent. So I get why there is like a little hesitation with doing it, but also like, I do want a really good lead black final girl. Brandy's not enough. Um, Lupita is eh, still not final girl ish to me um, for us. So I really want like, I really like, I want my Sydney Prescott black. Where is my black Sydney Prescott? Where is my black Laurie Strode? You know what I mean? Like, I want a franchise. Mm-hmm. And I always think back to Alien versus Predator with Sanaya Lathan. And I'm like, why wasn't that a franchise? She was it. She could have done two more movies. I would have showed up for all of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. I thought she was wonderful. But yeah, I agree. Because then what we get is something like Ma. Right? And, <laughs> and you're like, and I'm like, oh, that's not oh, what I yeah. want. I don't want a mammy caricature of this yeah. woman like that backstory of my is terrible but what you know listen to the podcast you'll you understand why because i also another mm. problem with horror that's why because men write it i yep. don't like sexual assault tropes i don't like that our women mm-hmm. on screen have to be sexually abused to have stakes or have uh, a real character development and men love using a good old uh i don't want to say the r word but a good old sexual assault trope to get mm-hmm. us to be broken and like last house on the left I, when i watched i'm never gonna watch that movie again because i don't care how scary it is there's nothing more frightening than that scene that you guys know what i'm talking about if yeah. you've seen that movie mm-hmm. i can't watch that stuff because it's a possibility for me so i don't understand yeah. why men keep using that di- device to make women stronger and quickly to tell this story i produced on a movie i won't say the name because it's it's coming out and i'm not trying to put anything on it i produced a movie and before we even shot the movie i had discussions with the director because he had three sexual assault scenes in his script and he kept saying oh it's because the character she's getting stronger and she's she's um she's growing and i'm like she can grow without that yeah long story short by the end 
we she still had two i was able to knock one down but it, i lost the fight of getting rid of all of them um and it's just such a disgusting device for people to use um and, and people will throw examples at me like i can't remember the name of the movie but there is one that came out a few years ago about a woman who is getting her revenge i think it's called revenge uh on people who yeah, sexually assaulted revenge. her yeah and they're like well that was good and i was like it's that's not the point i don't care like <laughs> yeah it, it the revenge trope is is our least favorite trope it is the one that we are constantly aggravated by and the fact that it still exists in 2020 like like how we felt about ma is similar to how we felt about in the invisible man mm-hmm. and like we had high yeah. hopes for it and then it totally took like it's very clearly written by a man who's never experienced this trauma and it it becomes very obvious as you're watching it that that's what's happening and yeah. it totally takes you out of the moment and it's it's a throwaway trope it's it's the same kind of trope that we use yeah. it when we try to label someone as having a mental illness therefore of course they murdered people like that's yeah. even applicable yeah. And so it, it's it's lazy writing, and it's yeah, it's completely lazy disrespectful to any woman. Lazy writing, and it is disrespectful. And um, yeah. I, you know, me and that person who wrote and, and um, directed that script, you know, we butt heads the entire time because I, I I just don't see the point. Like she and in the story, and again, I'm not going to name it because I want it to do well. I want it to come out because a lot of hardworking people behind the scenes worked really good on that. Um, but it's just like. If you can't think of anything else for women to go through for them to grow besides sexual assault, you're not a good writer. And you can't convince mm-hmm, me yeah. otherwise. Like, I write all day without people having to go through sexual assault. And they still grow, and they're still broken, and there's still stakes, and it's still interesting. So it's just, like, annoyed. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm encouraging more women to write, because... I can't watch any more male-centric horror films, especially because yeah. the only good thing about our, our genre, our saving grace, is that women do lead in horror films. We usually, 90% of the time, have a female lead in a horror film, but there's a caveat to that. It's because people want to see women scream. They want to see them tortured. They want to see them uh, brought down and broken, and that's disgusting, right? Like, yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. Like, the obsession that people have with Michael Myers, and I'm included in this. I am not excluded from this because I grew up with it, and I'm rooting for Michael to kill Lori. I'm not rooting for Lori. I'm like, get her, Michael. Every time, I'm like, come on, Michael. So, there's something about the there is a connection between violence against women and this weird like thing society has about seeing it and the horror genre yes more women are getting work but we're seeing a lot of more battered women on screen and that is gross that we have a, a such an obsessed obsession as a society with seeing that on screen aka torture mm-hmm. porn right yeah and like yeah. i will say like from personal experience i've had that argument where like someone wrote uh, sexual assault into a script thing for uh, a manga and I was like um why why and he's like for depth and I was like well I'm gonna send you five articles explaining why that's lazy writing but what's wild is that like that the convincing of the fact that that's not a device for them has mm-hmm. to be argued mm-hmm. so heavy and that still it isn't enough it's just like why do why do they think it's for them it's like the same right. And I'm I'm a fair person. It's not like I'm just, oh, only women. Because when I watch Lovecraft Country's episode, you know, two or three weeks ago where um, I can't remember the name, but she's like shedding. If you've ever seen Lovecraft Country, there is an episode Mm -hmm. where she is able to like turn into a white woman and then shed skin. And at the end of that episode, there is a sexual assault assault to her manager. And even though he's a terrible person, I turned, I, at the end of the episode, was like, they didn't need that. They didn't need that. It was rough. It was unnecessary. There's no point to have that. And I actually haven't caught up on the show since because that really turned me off. So I'm across the board fair about it. It's not just only to women. When it happens to men too, even like in shows like 13 Reasons Why, I'm like, did you need this? Did Mm -hmm. you need this? Or is this like torture porn? Are you getting, like, the answer is no. It's never really necessary to depict to pick, depict this like it's just not there are other ways there there's subtle ways you could do it if it's so important but no one's ever made a case to me that sexual assault was so important outside of like a biopic like no one's ever made mm-hmm. a case to me like this character needed to go through this sexual assault so um i'm against it in all in all forms like it is yeah. writing. It's, it's there for a shock value and i'm like you don't if you need that then you're don't know how to write i'm sorry you yep. just don't yeah yeah people are more complex than that and i agree the the we're big fans of lovecraft country um 
and there's a there has been a few moments where like I mean I love a lot of it I love the book and I love the the show I think Misha Green's doing a great job Same. but there have been three different instances of of things that have happened that come kind of at the tail end of a film of the show um, where I'm just like that was unnecessary and right. actually very harmful to the people that are like right. shown in that scene like you are being incredibly harmful to like these specific characters and at some point it's like you can't even use it anymore as like a tool for education like you're just still like you're doing the same harmful tropes you're bending the same narratives and people are not always smart enough to understand the complexity of it and so they just see it for face value and they're like okay it's cool to harm people when you're angry instead of being like the show has to end on a a a bang so we come back to the next episode we get it but and again this is not a slight towards misha or or the people at lovecraft it's a brilliant show but with everything like i'm gonna be fair there's gonna be moments Mm -hmm. where i'm just like just because the show is brilliant i love the creators and i love everything there are moments like you said that let's be honest with ourselves you didn't need that like you just didn't need that like a heel really to cardi b's bloody shoes like come on like it's too far it's just not not even too far because i i don't believe art can go too far it's more so just like it's cheap it's a cheap Mm -hmm. way to keep people to make shock and awe value it's cheap it's just cheap and i feel like you're better than that you're way better than that so i know the headline would be she hates Lovecraft Country and Misha Green. That's not true. I love that show and I will always back that show. But I'm just saying like across the board, you guys, this genre for some reason relies really heavily on sexual assault and it doesn't have to. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's so much that we we hope to see in the future of horror. And I think having shows like yours um, and, and the others that are looking and asking for more and like helping each mm-hmm. other kind of do that. It's like, if we get more people who are writing and directing and creating this media, like we have heard those same tired voices over and over again. Like it's good. Like you guys can retire now, pass the torch to over to some new people. Cause we need some new stories. These are old. They're tired. We're like exhausted yes. from it all. And I think when we see the instances where we have passed the torch, they have been phenomenal. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> uh, understand that. Like, they're, uh, speaking on the, the Black Serial Killer, there is a film, and maybe with this episode, people will remember, will help me. Uh, there's, I saw a trailer for a short film, um, or not a short film, a film, but I think it's like indie, where it's a woman who can see color or uh, see sound. So, you know, like, mm-hmm. what, I forget what that's called, synesthesia or something. Yeah. Um, and she can see sound, but is at some point I think she is murdering people to create like her big like uh color, color magnum color. opus. Oh, okay. Yeah, like she's making this art thing like with music and art or something. Like I it was right. again a big trailer. Um but it's a black woman who's doing who's like killing these people to get the results that she needs. And I was like, I if anyone can remember what the name of this yeah, is. If you don't remember us, let me know. I mean, but it, to your point, like not just injecting well, some let me go back. Injecting black people into horror also raises the stakes across the board. So mm-hmm. we were having a conversation, Joe and Trace and I and some people online about I know what you did last summer. And um I was telling you know, we were I was having a dialogue of like, just imagine that scene and I know what you did last summer where they do hit the guy and everyone's out of the car. And in this in the movie that happens, it's more like, oh we're drunk and we're gonna be in trouble because we're drunk. I was like, imagine if they were black. Imagine if just mm-hmm. one of them were imagine if the guy was if Freddie Prince's character was black. Then it's a yeah. whole new level of stakes. It's like, wait a second <laughs> I'm driving this car. I hit someone. I'm black. Police are coming. It changes the entire, and it brings more gravitas to it. Cause you know, you know, I know you did last summer is pushing it a little bit. I'm like, yeah, you guys, you, you weren't drinking though. Barry was sober and you accidentally hit someone like, and you're white and this is new England. I'm sure they would have listened to you. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think you need to, you guys overreacted for sure. But, um, but if you, as soon as you inject one black character, it changes the stakes of level. So that's why I'm always outside of diversity because it's right. It's also like adding more to the horror. Like you guys, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we want as fans. We want more stakes and we want more tension. Well, as soon as you add someone who is, black you get that automatically because it comes there's so much that comes with just being black and racism is the number one like the tension of get out you know there's never like it's not a slasher film obviously but the tension of get out is that 
palpable, like, is this racist? Is this not racist? Is he going to be okay or not? Like, that's the tension of Get Out. And it's so relatable to me and everyone who looks like me. So um, that's why you should be (laughs) injecting Black people in your scripts. Yeah, it makes me think of um, that film at Issa Rae, uh, Lovebirds, where they, like, Mm -hmm. are involved in the hit and run or, like, the vehicle manslaughter and like her whole thing is like we cannot go to the police <laughs> oh not lovebirds um that's with uh that's queen and slim no no right? no the oh no lovebirds too oh, yeah Love they like birds. you're right the comedy i kept thinking of the photograph isa in so many movies i keep getting them mixed up good job isa yeah <laughs> lovebirds you're right we're like no the cops are an option yeah but also queen yeah. and slim you know which like that 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 makes it believable like yeah i get why you guys totally ran I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, appropriately. Me, right. I get that. So. Yeah. And, and that's like honest storytelling, right? Like the same thing with the reason why revenge tropes don't work is that like in reality, if you kill your abuser, you go to jail, you are yeah, incarcerated yeah. and then your life is over. And so it's like, you are not like the fake ending that you've given your viewers of, of them feeling triumphant is, is incorrect. That's not yeah, what you feel. Incorrect. You feel just yeah. as bad. You, that's not how you live. Um, which is why our favorite horror movie or one of them is it follows because it's not about revenge it's about like something awful happened to me and now i gotta live with it just handling your stuff man (laughs) it follows she she wasn't abused she had consensual sex with this man and he lied to her about this thing which happens right like Mm -hmm. you have sex with someone and then they either lie to you about how many partners been with or or whatever they may have that's what the whole uh the metaphor was like an std like oh now she has an std but it's you know this creature that follows her around and will go that's why that film is brilliant and that is it is a really good i love that that film it should have been a second one <laughs> it, it's still following <laughs> yeah i think it's great <laughs> yeah yeah still fo- it continues to follow <laughs> um <laughs> please <laughs> continue yeah. to follow trauma. yeah right yeah <laughs> more done. trauma just keeps on going um yeah so before we kind of wrap up we did want to talk a bit about yes. uh scream 2 uh the film and so kat why don't you tell our listeners what scream 2 is about you got it scream 2 two years after the first series of murders a sydney acclimates to college life someone donning the ghost face costume begins a new string of killings directed by Wes craven and yeah i listened to your episode about it and it was awesome and i was like yeah. wow cool nice same thought i was like worried at first because i was like wow scream 2 is not nice to black people like why why is this <laughs> what we're talking why about is- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, oh, gosh. Uh, because Kevin Williams is the king of meta, and um, yeah. um, I actually think it's very gracious to black people because it's very honest about our, where yeah. we stand in horror, and he doesn't shy away from that. And he he basically is just like, point, and this is in 1997, eight, he's, no, yeah. 99, and he's just like, you guys, I'm making fun of all of you who are writing black people this way. I hope you know I'm making fun of you. You're not in on the joke. You, I'm making fun of you. And um, the the monologue from, um, oh my gosh, why can't I remember? Jada Pickett. Yeah, thank you. Smith. Jada uh, is the opening of our Afro Horror podcast, yeah. <laughs> where she's like, Black people are historically not involved in horror. And, and she goes through <laughs> this whole diatribe and everything. Yeah. And um, that film is important to me because, and, and I always get in trouble saying this, it's probably the best sequel to ever exist. Sorry, Godfather 2. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, and again, originally, Scream 2 was going to have Elise Neal uh, be the serial killer, be one of them. And the script leaked. Oh, okay. And because of that, yeah, because of the script they leaking, um, they had to change it. So just the potential we could have had our first mm-hmm. black female. And it would have time, it would have been, it would have been amazing. Because, and unfortunately, Elise got repositioned as the black best friend, just the stock black mm-hmm. best friend. Um, but the potential of that, like, it would have been epic. I still think they should have gone through with it. But at that time, Scream um, was really big on the surprise, like the third mm-hmm. act surprise. So it just, it wasn't going to happen. Um but yeah, they kill the black people, you know, they kill uh, uh, Jada and the first 
five minutes of the film and, mm-hmm. and, and Omar, just, yeah. Yeah, and Omar. But it's just like it's a commentary on what the genre was, especially at that time. Like the running joke in movies was black people die. Like that's just how that's just how it is. That black people are gonna die. And first season of Afro Horror, we actually timed black people's death. Like and Tyra Banks died at like minute 56 and 24 seconds in Halloween Resurrection. I stopped timing because like it was just a thing. It became a lot harder to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, Scream 2 is our most popular episode too, I think, because it really resonates with people because we do focus so much on the Black people in that film because there's actually a lot of them to focus on. So mm-hmm. <laughs> not just um, Elise and, and Jada and Omar, but the cameraman. Yeah, who, it was great. The actor's I, name is Safety. I but I the learned. fact that he's just like, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, you're dying. People are dying. I'm done. Like, it's just so honest. So I think Kevin did a great job with that script. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the the re- the origin for Scream itself is, is Wes Craven, you know, being like, I've been making these films and I am very aware of the tropes and the yeah. absurdity and, and how funny it is. And it, it, it is designed to be a parody, you know, and, and to kind of laugh in those faces by also being like a genuine spooky film. Like it is kind of scary. Um, and I do love the, 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 kind of commentary throughout like having the randy character in, in scream one being like here's what happens don't say i'll be right back don't do this don't have sex right and then those things of course happening and the same thing uh essentially happens in 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 scream two with uh the cameraman joel who essentially says like bad like good things do not happen to characters that look like me <laughs> in this like he's like I they do not <laughs> yeah and, and, and she's like he misses she... himself which is great he he yeah. removes himself because that's honest too it's like yeah black people are like people are dying and because of you i'm done <laughs> um yeah hallie you know at least uh neil's character sticking around sydney is just like it's believable because they're friends but also at the same time we're like girl if you don't leave mm-hmm. her alone <laughs> she even says i'm a therapist i'm her therapist she says like that yep, like she's yep. literally like here's she's my role <laughs> you yes, know here's my role it's a shame the script got released because that would have been it's a really really great it would have been amazing it would have been it would have been groundbreaking and moving and i'm i'm disappointed i'm also disappointed where where the scream franchise has gone since then it's Mm -hmm. that was their blackest film and it appears that will be the only time (laughs) uh scream four i was just watching it again last night um and i'm just like oh there's no black people in this except for one cop that's it and we're back. This is where we made full circle. Wes <laughs> never would have allowed this. Um, yeah. yeah. So with yeah. Scream 5 coming out, I've been also very vocal with them. Again, I would say this to their face. been very vocal with them on Twitter of like, where's your black people? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's an on. important question to ask. And I think more people should be asking it. I think um, the... Jada, like the the beginning of your show, and so Jada's whole um, kind of commentary on black people in horror, without that, would have made that film just like every other one, right? Like, yeah. but the fact yeah. that she's like, here's the problem with it, and then is dying, like, like it, it's such a amazing scene to have her up there in front of them oh, while God, everyone's so in costume, they're all laughing, they're all like emulating this this villain like the fact that she's in line and the people are talking behind her and are like this is not just a horror movie people really died and that's how i feel about like true crime like i'm a big Mm -hmm. true crime person but the true crime community is so toxic because there's all this isolation of like the killers yeah these people are really dead like they really got murdered but that scene with jada and like it's it's so beautiful the metaphor too that still lives today the black women are literally screaming at the top of their lungs that this is something is wrong something is happening to me i'm hurt and no one is listening Brianna mm-hmm. Taylor, Megan the Stallion, like it, it is so poignant. And um how he wrote that scene in the 90s and it's still happening today is just like she's literally bleeding and dying in front of you. We're literally bleeding and dying in front of you and you're ignoring us. I could cry thinking about that. Like it's yeah. a, that's why it's one of my favorite, favorite movies ever, just because that scene right there is just it's just everything. It's just everything to me. And whether he, Kevin intentionally knew he was doing that, I don't think he did because he's not a black woman, but that's exactly what I took from it. And I think a lot of black women feel the same way. Yeah. I think like her like scream, 
like right before like the end like that is really yeah. like that hit me like I was because I was watching I was like this is like literally what that lady was saying in line like no people are actually dying and you are making like a whole spectacle of it like you are making a franchise of it like we're seeing that right now right like we're seeing that with Brianna Taylor's name everywhere like you are oh, making yeah, and commodifying memes and cons conventions and I'm just like this is a this is a real person who yeah lost yeah. Life. yeah yeah they're like commodifying this violence and this pain and in only the way that they can, because they don't know what it is to experience that. And to hear her in that, in that such, it's such a real scream and it feels like it's not that classic horror, like final girl or blonde victim running like, "Ah!" it was like, I felt like I was like, I was really watching it. Listen to me. Like what's wrong with you people. It's like not only a cry for pain because you've been stabbed a bunch of time, but a cry of just like, I really can't believe I'm going to die in a theater full of people just yelling at me. Like, it's insane. Like, what is the last moments of my life? And the fact that we, Wes, you know, holds the shot and she dies with her eyes open on stage is just like, you get so I, rest in peace, Mr. Craven, because you're just a genius. And, and mm-hmm. it, it's such a, that's why I like Scream 2 um, is the best out of the franchise. I think out of all the franchise, honestly, I, I don't know any other horror sequel that has done what it, scream 2 did mm-hmm. and um that's why i'm really putting the pressure on scream 5 it's just like don't let me down your franchise has done so much oh it's social commentary don't let me down don't circle back just because you know you're trying to sell a, a standard horror film because scream isn't standard horror it's just not so no yeah, yeah. i think it, it, it's its own kind of category because it isn't because it's trying to say more right and, it's, and it, more, it, exactly. it's super meta too right and that like yeah. it, it's saying what it's about and it's it's also yep. acting it out in your face um yep. and it, it, it kind of like the way that people experience scream is also a, a metaphor for like the horror community because there's people who just kind of see it as a surface value of like what a funny horror movie and then other people are like are you watching this like do you see what they're saying to you right now that's the big difference between scream and halloween for me because for halloween i'm definitely rooting for michael myers like i want him to catch laurie eventually like please but in screen i'm rooting for sydney i never want sydney to go down sydney is that's it like if she goes there's no point to have a movie like in the movie now sydney 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 so um that's the you know for me that's the difference between those franchises that you actually see sydney as a full-fledged person human being and you do care for her and you want her to win and you you don't want to see her perish but with halloween i'm like michael you're too slow like get in the gym do some cardio whatever but tiktok it's been 20 years just end her (laughs) yeah jeez yeah i totally agree um yeah wow this has been a great episode (laughs) I know yeah, we didn't talk too much about Scream too, but they should listen to your episode because no, I mean, it, it was great. It's a, almost like a two-hour episode of you guys on Scream 2. So please go listen to it. Chris, Courtney, and I really have fun talking with that one. We talk about the D'Angelo song. and That, that movie's so black. There's a D'Angelo song that opens up the <laughs> film. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's brilliant. So you please go listen to it if you guys want to hear our take on the D'Angelo song as well. Yes. So yeah, for anyone who enjoyed this commentary and does want to hear more in-depth analysis on Scream 2 and the various other films we mentioned, and even more, you're into uh season two right now. Uh you can just look up Afro Horror Pod. Where else can people find your content? Um, uh, uh, you can find the Afro Horror column on finaldraft.com. So if you are interested in, in writing horror and you want to add black people to it, read the column first because it teaches you what tropes to stay away from so you can actually write accurate black people. Um, you can also find me on uh, Twitter. I am Charday Sellers. Look, you guys, uh, please don't drag me. I, I've had a rough weekend with, with people dragging me on Twitter because I don't know when to stop talking. But I'm a human like everyone else. I have stupid opinions sometimes and just ignore me. I'm going to stop talking on there soon. But <laughs> um, We do have an Instagram, uh, but we never use it. So you can find Afro Horror on Twitter. Um, it's just Afro Horror Pod. Yep. That's Ooh. it. <laughs> nice. Check us out. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Katja, do you have any last questions? Not questions. I just think you're great and your show is awesome. <laughs> and I Thank hope you, you keep doing what you're doing and write all the things. And 
I know, like, Gabe and I were always talking about, like, the torchbearers of, like, the horror yeah. genre to, like, make it better. Um, yeah. It's just cool. Yeah, you're doing cool stuff. Thank you. I am currently <laughs> writing my next horror feature that I love, and I hope um, I hope in a couple of years we can come back on the show and talk about that one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely share with us any updates, and we will be retweeting you and supporting you out there because we love watching you do what you do. Thank you. I will. I Thank you, ladies, for having me. Um, everyone vote November 3rd, and uh, this has been really great. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So don't get married. Don't eat your kids. <laughs> All right. Don't get married. Yeah. Don't eat your kids. <laughs> Sir, sign off. It's, it's a great a one. Super positive. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I was like, do you know something I don't know? Do you, are you seeing no, it no, in no. my palm? Like, <laughs> yeah, not like, don't do it. 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 Don